This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. Yeloha. Today on the pod, we have awesome TV personality and host Scott Tweedy. He is a very, very big deal in Australia, but we have never, ever crossed paths. And fun fact, we were both ambassadors for Mitsubishi at the same time, but never, ever met. So I met him when I got to LA. We had a brekkie burrito together and I was like, let's get you on the pod. What a ripper career, funny guy, loves a prank, uh, great stories, has had an incredible career. You're going to hear it all here. He's got no filter, so you'll get some great stories, super entertaining. I hope you love this wonderful human, Scott Tweedy. Honoured to have you on the pod, mate. Do you, have a, do you have a morning voice? Like, do you find until like 10 o'clock you've got to like warm your voice no, up? No, do you? Yeah, if I do any breakfast radio, I sound like I'm hungover. No. I've had a massive night, which a lot of the times I am. Oh, <laughs> you do know we've started recording, right? Welcome, everybody. <laughs> Welcome, Scott Tweedy. I cannot believe until about three weeks ago we had not met in real life. I know. We were connected via Mitsubishi's. <laughs> Completely. And I just realized my headphones. I was like, why is this guy on... Um, well, I'm on mute. mute. Talk to me. Yeah, here we go. Okay. We connected. So, but even though we connected via Mitsubishi, we still never met. No, I knew who you were, but I didn't know what you were about. I didn't yeah. spend that much time researching you, but I just knew you were a lovely lady. And then all of a sudden, a lady feels so old, my friend. So you're a wise, <laughs> beautiful, knowledgeable lady. Uh, so, okay. So how you kind of like came into onto my radar, I'd always definitely been aware of you and I was really jealous because you got a black Mitsubishi and I was not allowed to have a black Mitsubishi. I had to have this royal blue colour or this maroon colour because that's what the ambassadors got. But you, I was gotcha. like, how does Scott get a black one? <laughs> you got the really slick, sexy. I didn't know this was one. a thing. I just said I want a black one and they're like, what about the red? And I was like, nah, the black. And they gave me the black one. So I don't know how that works. I know mine was through a Channel 10 network deal. Mm-hmm. So yours is a very different deal. I kind Still. of have to do what the network says and it's like, yep, cool. I'll drive this car. Free car in Sydney. Absolutely. Because yeah. cars get smashed there. Totally. Okay, well, so... Look at us, poor us, free cars. What (laughs) colour car are we getting? Okay, I want to go back. I want to go back to the start. So I did one, I did not know you haven't had official like training. You haven't gone to like radio school. You haven't gone to, I know you've done a bit of acting training, but like. It hasn't gone well. No, I I do want to talk about Neighbours and Derek. Um, But (laughs) have you. Is it true you went to uni and studied commerce? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, I did finance, commerce and economics because I finished school. I didn't know what the hell to do. I went to a private school in Brisbane. Yeah. My parents worked hard to send me there. Yeah. So I was surrounded by all these rich kids and I was like, well, I want to be rich when I'm older. So then I was like, well, what do you do to become rich? And study I could finance. Study finance. And I could crunch numbers. Weirdly, 
My brain, I don't know what's going on up there, but my brain, when it comes to crunching numbers and it comes to any equations, I'm like a master at it. Um, I like it where there's an answer and I can work my way backwards. It's a very black and white area. Okay, that kind of, that checks out. I feel like that kind of makes sense. Does it really? I'm in like a creative industries <laughs> now. Like, no, 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 I mean like as in I can see why you went down that yeah, path. Yeah, so for me, very easy to study that. And then you can only bullshit yourself for so long. So yeah. about the second or third year in, I was looking around my lecture all my friends there were like passionately mm. reading the financial review every day. Got you. I didn't okay. give a shit about that. So for me, I always loved film and TV. It was my favourite subject at school. I'd mm-hmm. spend extra time doing that. Mm. I'd run around with a camera, editing, filming. So I just had that itch. Yeah. And then that's when the Nova Radio gig came up and yeah. it was like my best friend told me about it. He was like, oh, by the way, there's on this site, there's the Nova Sandman street team position going yeah. up, up for grabs. And I was like... This is like the rock star gig. This is like the coolest gig you can get at uni. Especially when you're like, what, 18, 19 years old? I think it was, yeah, about 20. Oh, yeah, no, probably probably 18 or 19. That's actually right. Yeah. So all we were doing is driving around, but you got that 30 seconds on the radio every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were so nervous. You write down (laughs) your script. And you're like, now looking at it, you're like, oh my God, that's so simple. So, okay, so and then I heard like so you were on like a team, that street team, right? Which was awesome. There were such good people that I met through that, yeah. But heaps of people were auditioning for this new ABC3. Correct. Because they're like casting hosts and you were like, okay. Not for me. Well, yeah, no, because at that point I was then. Obsessed with music. Obsessed with music yeah. and I was kind of being a bit of a weasel in at Nova. One, I was on an hourly rate, so the more hours I worked, the more I got paid. Got and it. And I realised if I filmed and edited the breakfast hosts, at music festivals, yeah. then I could basically go to those music festivals for free, work more Smart. hours, but then also they only wanted to interview the headline acts. So who was interviewing all the rest? Yeah. I was like, can I step in and interview them? They're like, absolutely. So I was getting experience on yeah. camera, ticking all the boxes. So then at that point I was like, well, what's the dream job? MTV, Channel yeah. V. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When this ABC3 came around, like a kid's channel, yeah. I was thinking, you know, like the Wiggles, like yeah. Play School, and I was like, not for me. Yeah. No thanks. <laughs> but then I realised all these other guys from the street team were putting in tapes and I, I watched their tapes and not being arrogant, but I was like, I can edit a better video than that. I yeah. can put a, a better production together than yeah. theirs. But I also made the decision then and there. I was like, I will only do do this being myself. I'm not going to make it more kitty. I'm not going to try and be a different person. But lucky for me, at that time, I was probably, I think I was 21. I looked like I was 17. Ah, uh, yes. So I had the yes, baby face. That. So that yep. that ticked. I had the crazy hair check as well. And then just the Brisbane personality, I think, which got that, me like, over the Aussie line. humour. Yeah. So that's Prank Patrol? Is that where this all That's began? what happened. So it went from a, a national casting call of 7,000 people down to I got to the top 100. Mm-hmm. That was in Brisbane. Then the next week they flew myself and 10 people to Sydney. Yeah. Because uh, they were launching this whole channel. They're like, we've got heaps of different shows. Mm-hmm. And I remember on that Sydney day they were kind of going, now, Scott, there's this prank show. And I was like, oh, I want the bigger gig. The bigger gig was the uh, Kane and Amberley, which was like the main host of the channel. Got it. So they popped up between all the shows. Yeah. And I left that day going, I don't think I nailed that audition. But then two days later I got the call and they're like, can you move to Melbourne next week? No. You're getting prank, you're prank patrol, you're the host of that. And I still didn't, really didn't sink in. And then I started watching Prank Patrol and I was like, this is so lame. Oh, but no. So cringe. Well, at the time though, I was like, oh, no, the British host because there was a British series and a yes, Canadian series. Yes. And I was like, oh, I'm not like them. 
This but wasn't not, the British one going off? Like, wasn't it? Didn't have a huge following. I, I. So then, what happened was my first two weeks, uh, they flew the British director yeah. out to Australia, and he was basically like Scott. This show is going to change your life. And I was like, what do you mean? It's a kid's show. It's not going to change my life. Yeah. And he goes, no, I promise you. He goes, in the UK, it's it's been running for three series now. The the age bracket, which is eight to 12-year-olds, just live and breathe this show. Like it's pranking. It's You go out there and you're being cheeky. You're being borderline nasty to your friends. They're like, this is the best format ever. And it took me a while for that to sink in. But also one more thing that happened was the Australian director – he directs some of the biggest TV shows in the country and he's a very funny guy, Peter Lawler, and he was basically like day number one when I worked with him, he goes, Tweety, you've got two options here. Option number one, you be too cool, this show's not going to go off. Or option mm. number two, you 100% invest in this, live and breathe it and just bring your goofiest, funniest, just most genuine side and it will translate. And that's mm. the, the lane we went down and it was awesome. It worked out really well. Talking to you now and and having seen you eat Mazillion hot dogs at a Dodgers game, <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like it totally would have suited your personality at it a really prank did. show. It did. And I must say, not to jump all over the shop, but I love it when Liv got you back with a prank and Denise co-hosted with you. That's good. That Didn't, you can't good. beat Ding Dong. She is like the OG <sighs> Denise, Aussie prank backstory star. to everybody, Liv pulled a sickie on our music show, yeah. The Loop, and the network were like, well, Liv can't be here. Normally we just host it on our own if someone's sick yeah. um, or bring in a guest younger host, but they were like, we're trying to do this – Cross promotion with Denise Drysdale, Studio Ten. Yeah. So they brought her in, and I was like, I love Denise, and we ah. we worked together quite a few times on Studio Ten. Yeah. But she was just derailing everything, yeah. and it was embarrassing. <laughs> she was having a breakdown, and I was like feeling so sorry for her. <laughs> the problem with this prank was they just hooked me, and they revealed it. They could have let that go on for another half an hour because yeah. I was in. Yeah, you were fully I was committed. Feeling awkward yeah. for her. I'm trying to. She's yeah. calling Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber. I know. And I was like, Oh god, this can't be any worse. But yeah, Liv got me. Yeah. And then I learned really quickly she's a really bad sport because I got her back, and she didn't talk to me for like three weeks. Oh, how good! How'd you get her back? What did you do? We did a fake photo shoot for the Beast magazine, which is a Bondi Eastern Suburbs magazine, yeah. like the local magazine. So we. Pretended that she was on the cover of it. Oh, no. So the day before, we had a, a friend call up and pretend to be the journalist to make it seem more authentic. Yeah. yeah. And then we were, down, <laughs> we were down at Ben Buckler's, uh, the, the south, is it southern end? Yeah, southern end of yeah, Bondi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And basically, we were doing a photo shoot with her. So we had all, like, I had like four friends as camera no. guys hidden in the bushes. We had a photographer there. We had like a fake act, a fake, a real yeah. actor playing the photographer. Yeah, yeah. And we had her throwing kale in the air oh, and doing all this no. lame stuff. But she was half onto it. And then when I walked out as a Bondi rescue lifeguard, she literally was so angry. Like she just stormed off and walked home. No, how long and did she not talk like, to you for? What happened? And I was like, don't worry about her. She got me two weeks ago. Who cares? Uh, she was so pissed off. No, so good. It was so much fun. Oh, I love a good prank. Yeah. Now, that's a we'll va- get her again oh, eventually. Well, we, Liv and I have the same manager in Australia and that's why I was, I was like, right. oh, I wonder how far you took that prank. We didn't ask management. Yeah, no. <laughs> Hell no. Like no way. Management always say no. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. I feel like they would have been on board with that one. That's mm. a goodie. Okay, so that, so that brings me to the loop. That went for eight, eight years. years. Yeah. Ash London. Yep. Yeah. Then Liv. Yep. Uh, Denise can't beat. 
Denise, like, honestly, like, like one, one of the greats. The great. Greats of all time. So then you're kind of living the dream. You're living in Bondi. You're working on this really long-standing show, which is like yeah. TV hosting, presenting world. Like you don't often get that. To get a network deal is the dream, right? And and that's what I had. I had that for eight years with Channel uh-huh. 10. Um, and it was started out just as a loop, but then they started using me all around the world to flying, you know, behind the scenes shows for I'm a Celebrity. I loved there's a clip of that on YouTube. Survivor. Very funny. It was good. It was Very a lot funny. of fun. But with those projects, see, they were all, I got given the keys to these smaller projects where they were only expecting, you know, a tiny amount. And I just wanted to like over deliver. I was yeah. like, let's give these guys the greatest production we can do with this small budget. And that happened two years in a row in Africa. And the first year was mm-hmm. just a Facebook show yeah. sponsored by KFC. And then they it was called Edge of the Jungle. And they were just expecting me to sit down with a celebrity before they go into the jungle yeah. as an interview. Yeah. And I was like, hell no. I was like, we're here in Africa. We've got yeah. some of the greatest animals, um, scenes, uh, people, talent around us. Mm. Let's make this as big as we mm. can. So we, I got flown over with one guy. He was a director, a producer, an editor, and basically him and I were doing 24-hour-plus shifts to make this the best mm. thing we could. So but doing that hard work earned me my own show the next year. I got a Saturday night show off from that. So, so I think all those right back to the Nova days, learning how to edit, storytell and do everything yourself pays off big time. And that's what I wanted to ask. I feel like you obviously write a lot of your own content, not yep. even just like content, content, but like you've got auto cue for some of the gigs, like yep. The Loop, I imagine you would have had auto cue. Yeah, totally. Denise actually threw you under the bus with that one. Um, but <laughs> but do you write your own stuff or is yeah. there a writer? Uh, both. So depending on what show it was, Prank Patrol, there were writers, but then also on the day Peter and I would bounce ideas and we don't like this, that's not funny, let's do this, let's try different things out. He was just always trying to make me laugh um, and it was like a a nice ongoing gag. The loop 100% was just Liv and I writing it um, or Ash London and I writing it. Then we had producers look at it, make a few changes. Um, all those smaller like, little gigs, yep, all my writing once wow. again um, for E! News. Uh, it was 80% we had writers but then yeah. we'd always come through and go, I'm not saying that, let's change this. Yeah, And that was very like much you. sticking to the script because it was a half an hour live show so you've got yeah. to time out the show. Yeah. And then there was a one hour live show as well. Um, but I like going off scripts. That's my like bread and I, butter. Yeah, I feel like you'd be phenomenal at improv. Like if something, if you were shooting like live to tape or live to air, and something yeah. like like I've done smoothies, like because I'm a nutritionist, so I've gone on and made smoothies before. Yeah, and the the lids flown off. It's the and best. The hosts love it usually because it's, it's like the best. Yeah, I really really like it when things go wrong. We did a. There was once a year. What was the what's that shopping channel? Is it called the shopping channel? The one in oh, Australia? Like um brand power helping Whatever. you buy One better. of those things one like the, that. Yeah. So we'd every year they'd bring celebrities, let's use that word loosely because I was invited. Um but they oh, bring they bring go. people into the mix and we basically have a day of just selling stuff and whatever we raise, whatever we sold got you know, raised okay. for for charity. Got it. So that was the mission. Um and that was what I was doing it with Liv and she put this like face cream and she didn't know how to open it and it just spurted like fair dinkum into my eyeball and I've never like it was burning so much. But once again, it's like what a great moment on live oh, TV. Like who totally. cares? Don't care at all. E-news, we had 
massive issues with our 30 Rock um, studio yeah. because our control room was still in LA. Yes. And so there was this real yeah. disconnect there and then Fashion Week was on and we were trying to do a live cross with Zana who was about five blocks away from the studio in New York City and in the commercial break we were chatting to her and there was just such a delay. Mm. There was like a five-second delay which mm. is just awful yeah. TV. So I looked at my co-host, Liliana, and I was like, this is a train wreck. What we need to do, throw it to Xana. She she just talks. Do not do any forward and back. As soon as we start going forward and back, this we've lost not, it. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. And because Liliana loves fashion, unfortunately, it started the forward and back and it was just getting worse yeah. and worse. Yeah. But I kind of was loving it more and more. I was like, the more this happens, the better this is. And I was just like, what a beautiful TV moment. What a train wreck. And yeah. I think we finished the segment off going, ladies and gentlemen, we're so sorry about that. The funny thing is she's five blocks down the street and yeah. we can't get this right. It was kind of a little dig at our producers going, guys, like yeah. we're in 2020. Like, come on, technology's advanced now. We could have done this on our phones. Yeah. Um, but whatever, it's TV. It happens. And it's like at the end of the day, you got to remember we're only making TV. We're not saving lives. So this is one thing that I've heard you say before and I love it and you're all about chasing what's fun and you can feel that in like who you are as a person but also in like having like when you said yesterday in this podcast I was like, okay, time to binge binge consume as much Scott content as I can Yeah, and your whole vibe and like ethos is like light, fun, uh, yeah. There is that like it's the Aussie larrikin, I suppose. Cheekiness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like pushing the boundaries. It's I kind of don't lo- like probably the biggest weakness of myself is I overthink when I've got certain gigs coming up. Yeah. So I'll try and think of like, oh, is an executive or is the network or is a team watching me right now? And I know this is more of a premium event, so I better not post this smart ass thing I want to post. Oh yeah. But the real me wants to post that. Yeah. And they're kind of hiring me knowing that that's the real me. So yeah, yeah. I sometimes get in my head a little bit too much and like will overthink not being the normal cheeky smart ass person that I am. To- to- yeah. So yesterday you're going to laugh. I can't believe I'm saying this to you. I was going for a hike at Griffith Park. Yeah. And I was on the phone talking to my mate and I looked down at the ground and there was a giant black dildo on the ground, right? I shit you not. Jeez. I take a photo hey, of ladies it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to LA. <laughs> I take a photo of it. I sent it to my friend because she was having a really hard time and having a really serious conversation with me. And I was yeah. like, yo, I waited for her to finish talking. I was like, check your phone. And she's like, how did you stay calm for that three minutes? <laughs> anyway, and because of Australia, my boyfriend is in Australia and I was like, oh, this is the perfect message and image to wake up to. And so, like, I sent it to him and I was like, just found this on my morning walk. Love you. <laughs> Left it at that. Anyway, um, I was like, fuck, I really want to put that on my stories because it's, like, funny, right? Totally. And I didn't, but he did. And, like, he was like, oh, my God, people are going nuts for this story. But I kind of, like, controlled Because my... of what? You're thinking about your deals and your brands? Yeah, and I'm like, I don't want to offend anybody, although I've offended everybody I by getting like vaccinated. Ne- I, I feel like in the last five years it's been the time to shine for sex yeah. toys. Like, no one gives a shit <laughs> totally. anymore. Totally. Abby Chatfield, she's yeah, made it, like, super... Co- but, like, like I, I would... Yeah, it's basically, for me, I think there shouldn't be any grey area. I think when we were... When we were in... I won't name where, but we were in a hair and makeup room for a TV production. Yeah. And literally all the females in there were having almost like Tupperware parties but sex toy parties yeah. and talking about it openly. And so they should. Like yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I think there shouldn't be a taboo around that. Oh, no, there's totally – there is 
completely now I feel like totally accepted but I was just like there was something that held me back putting that on my story I don't yeah. know if it's like I get it I you get don't it. want to like piss off big dogs that are paying you money yeah. right yeah yeah, so like likewise, I've got a filter, um, especially doing a lot of live TV. Yeah. You sort of know what you can and can't do. I've got mm. a great swearing filter. Oh, you're allowed um, to swear on this, by the way. If fuck you can, yeah, yeah. Go for gold. Go for <laughs> no, gold. No, I'm not a massive swearer. I think it helps the story. But for me, yeah, I, I've got that filter. But there is that inner smart ass in me that wants to come out more, and I'm tr- I'm really working on that. Just letting, letting it, it go all the time. Yeah. It's like who cares? Like, and I think. That's part, been part of my LA journey as well is yeah. just really digging into that and going, who you this are. is who you are. Yeah, because yeah. I, I think everyone's seen 80% of it, but I just want that 100% Oh, yeah. yeah, let it let it fly. I have to ask, you've done so many amazing red carpet events like the Actor Awards, the Arias. Yep. That's the thing like out of everything I've consumed, like of all the everything that you've done in your amazing career, that would scare the bejesus out of me because you've got to know so much content. Yeah. You get a really small amount of time with this actor or a singer or artist. It's yeah. like, ugh, like what if I've heard you've called Snow Patrol Coldplay. Oh, God, Jess, <laughs> Jess Stats. It's her favourite story of all time. I've interviewed Snow Patrol oh, yeah, three times. On the fourth time, I was being, a once again, a bit of a smart ass yeah. with some of the crew and I was saying, <laughs> once again, so I was being a smart ass to the Melbourne crew who we never worked with. We always film in Sydney. So yeah. we're down there for a gig and then Snow Patrol was coming and I was like, these guys are funny. So I was telling the crew we're filming with the poor man's Coldplay. Yeah. And I just had said that so like so many times in the last hour yeah. that when they were there, it just came out of my mouth. <laughs> I didn't say that before, but I was like, ladies and gentlemen, here's cop. And I actually stopped myself the first take. So good. And, and then Gary Lightyear was like, you were about to say fucking cock, weren't you? Yeah. And I was like, oh, that would be funny. And I was like, in my head, I was like, no, I was about to say Coldplay. And I was like, no, no, no. I was like, let's do it again. Let's do it again. So we're all laughing because he, he was like, this guy was going to say cock. Tweety was about to say cock. And I was like, no, I wasn't about to say cock, Gary. <laughs> So I was like, and I was like, here they are, Coldplay. I was like, oh fuck! And then no. <laughs> he literally, the band lost it, like pissed themselves yeah, laughing, yeah. and they were like, I think he was like, twenty three years, I knew this was gonna happen, <laughs> and I was like, fuck! And then like how Jess cute. from the label was just like, Tweety, how could you? And I was like, ah, oh, Jess, I don't know. Anyways, let's do it again. Let's get this done. And that clip was played over so and good. over again on our music show. So, yeah, lost a lot of cred that day. No, I love it. I love it. I love it. But so when you are like I'm in like A-game mode and like yeah. pressure is freaking high and you're like all suited up, yeah. feeling great, looking great, head of the red carpet, how the F do you prepare for that? Do you just, do you just like so work much your homework. butt off? Yeah, yeah, so much homework. So for me I have to like know everything. I want to know as yeah. much information as possible. I do get – not freaked out, but I, I hate when someone gets put in front of you and you've got no idea who they are, which happens oh, yeah. sometimes. There's always a, a guest yeah. or a surprise person that rocks up and you're like, who the bloody hell is this? Oh, fuck. Um, and, in, and also some really notable people as well that you do know who they are, like Sir Bob Geldof came yeah. to the Arias one year, yeah. we didn't know he was coming. I know who he is, but I didn't know what he was there for. Yeah. But then you ask that question. You kind of just use that as your content. Yeah. And you're like, well, this is a bloody surprise, Sir Bob Geldof. It's like... Is this your first ARIA Awards? Once again, normally you should say like, oh, how you feel about your first one, then they'll yeah. shut you down. But you just got to ask that question and then yeah. they just start talking about it. So for me, it's always about over-preparing. The more you know, the more preparation you do, which then also proves that you're 
you know, very professional at your job and people enjoy working with you because you know so much about who you're talking to. And also you've got to break it down to every individual in front of you. They're there for a reason. They're there celebrating something. They're very talented and they've probably got a really good story. So the more work you put in pre the event, you don't use 90% of it, but it's there just in the background in case the conversation goes somewhere. There's that awesome, uh, I think it's Bruce McAvaney. Am I saying that right? The sports commentator. And he's like, he's like, know your content so well that you can just throw it away and run with the guest. Yeah. Which I love. Yeah. Because you don't even want to think about what your questions. I know if I'm not prepared for a red carpet because I'm thinking about my questions then. Yeah. If I know everything about every single person that's on that carpet, then it's just like catching up with mates. Yeah, so good. That's and because also there's like it. little things. They'll give you little little bombs or you might be like 20 seconds before that interview, you see something on their social media yeah. or see something in an article you hadn't seen until that point and you're like, I've got to ask that. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, I hate – I don't really like red carpets because they're – unless you're that main person for the network, mm. you get time with the, with the artist or the talent – but other than that, you're like a little sheep in like a little pen and it's like next, yeah. next, next, next. And you're like, oh, you can't form any connection with them. Well, it's really hard to. Yeah, I mean, I've and I've seen you get such a small little window that is yeah. just like and you've got one question and you've probably camped out there for four or five hours and yeah. it's like far out. I imagine that would be. But it's all part tough. of the job and we, we love doing it but. It's now after years and years of mm. doing that and then also my dream was always to do that for E yeah. and since getting the job at E, red carpets don't really exist anymore. They're of not course. really a thing. So that was for me, I was like, all right, I'm kind of done with red carpets yeah. now and like what's what's next or what I want to do or I still like doing them but for special events. And that's my ne- that brings me to my ne- next question. I heard that you were like super inspired by Ryan Seacrest Correct. and you were like, how does this guy prepare for the Oscars, He's Grammys? He's so busy. Right, and you hunted down like. Laura Slovin. Yeah, Laura, can you share this story? Laura's such a gem. Uh, so basically I was, I was getting ready for my first ever ARIA Awards mm-hmm. and it's my first time on primetime TV for Channel 10. And once again, I was like, I need to prep mm-hmm. so much and I need to, you know, weeks in advance know the process of how to nail this because yeah. I, was, I was doing three things that day. We were doing a pre-show for David Jones, the red carpet, a loop episode, and then I was doing live for Telstra backstage, which is part of the broadcast as yeah. well. So every presenter and every winner would come off and I'd go live with them for five minutes in the green room from like In Excess to John Butler Trio to oh my everyone and anyone. So – the pressure was on to consume so much information in my head that day where I was like, how am I going to do this? Mm. So I started researching how Seacrest does, you know, does his pre-production, does his prep, and there was this amazing video on YouTube. And so I was watching that and he had these two awesome ladies next to him. So he's getting all pampered. Mm. He's like, all right, ladies, uh, who have we got? And they're like, Brad and Angelina. And he's like, okay, I'm going to ask Brad this, Angelina this, and uh, – and then they're queuing him and they've got this little card up which has got bullet points on it. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I see what's happening here. Here's the process. And I was like, I watched it again. And I was like, I don't care about Ryan anymore. I want to talk to one of those ladies. Yeah. I want to know what they're doing weeks in advance, what's the process and how are they getting this information into his head. Mm. So watched it again, saw one of their names, Laura, looked her up on Twitter. She had 300 followers. I was like, yes, if she had like yeah. 15,000, <laughs> yeah. a little bit harder. Yeah, yeah, totally. And publicly tweeted her and I was just like, hey, Laura, I'd love to chat to you. I'm an Australian host. Uh, what's your best contact? 
The next two hours, I looked up who Laura was and, you know, she's a senior producer here in Los Angeles, produces Seacrest all the time. Mm. Uh, so I was basically like, this is the chick. I need to talk to her. Mm. Went to bed, woke up the next morning. She started following me, DM'd me, and from there we just became really close. The next time I came to LA, she took a few days off work or she was freelance, so she blocked that out and took me around to every executive she knew. She was just like, I believe in you. She's like, I think you're awesome, but you're also the first person in the world to reach out to mm. me and not Ryan. And she's like, I think you're really smart doing that, so I'm just going to invest time into you. And essentially she got me the e-job. Yeah, this, yeah. this is oh, – it's also a testament to your work ethic as well and to kind of like thinking outside the box a little bit. Mm. And, I, yeah, I think it's amazing. So, okay, so take me through – from loop to E because, like, you were living the dream in Bondi, you know, a yeah. lot of people would love that. Yeah, it, it was awesome. Like, I had such a good life in Australia um, and, I, you know, loved everything I did in Australia mm. and I wanted to do and I still want to do more on Australian TV. Mm-hmm. But America's the dream. Bigger yeah. audience, bigger budget, Up bigger everything. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just this Not energy about networks. it. And it's like a... I have always, since I've been 21, I moved to Melbourne for Prank Patrol, mm-hmm. then Sydney. I like new cities. I like being mm. uncomfortable. I like networking fast and meeting Aussies and people in the city, in other cities. So basically, yeah, what got me the job with E was lies. I had to say one big fat lie and that got me the job. <laughs> so I'd met with them now. The first time I flew over with Laura was meeting number one and I met mm-hmm. with the team I met many different networks and they were all just taking that meeting because they love Laura. They didn't give a shit about me, really. Still, you would have learned from every experience. Exactly. Yeah. It was great. But you can yeah. tell, you can read the room and you're like, yeah. I'm not going to get a gig with these guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you never know. You never know. Yeah. But the one that stuck was E and they were like, look, we're, we think you're great. Um, we've got nothing for you right now, but keep in touch. Yeah. And so every six to 12 months, I'd send them updated show reels and just go, hey, guys, how are you doing? If I was in LA for a junket, I'd try and catch up with them, mm-hmm. take them some Tim Tams oh, and have a little so chat. <laughs> really? And was yeah, that your go-to? Totally. A pack of Timmies? They, they bloody love Tim Tams. <laughs> Easy. The best five bucks I've ever spent. So good. And then it was probably my fourth time chatting to them. Where it was actually a Skyped into Australia and they were like, look, you keep coming up. Um, one thing I've got to tell you, we won't sponsor you. You've got to get your own visa. You've got to be here. Like, yeah. Be in LA and then we can yeah. use you. We can throw you on carpets. So I started the process of getting an O-1 visa mm-hmm. and as you know, any visa in America is a huge pain in the ass. It's expensive. Mm. And I just had more and more work being thrown at me from Channel 10 that I kind of just fell off. I was like, yeah. uh, I started it and you've got to get 10 letters from like mm. CEOs of Sony, Universal yeah, Music, Channel hard. 10. It's hard work. So I kind of half did it and then just didn't really apply. And then another eight months to 12 months, I don't really know the timeline, but a random email out of the blue from the head of casting and he was just like, hey, Scott, you just came up in a brainstorm. Uh, Where's your visa at? And it was that moment I was like, well, if I tell him the truth, I'll get taken off the pile. So I was just like, g'day, Kyle, how are you? Mate, visa's good to go. And I was like, also, and this is totally coincidental, in two weeks I'm in LA for two weddings. I've got back-to-back weddings. Mm. So if you guys want to catch up with me, I'd love to see you. And he's like, oh, my gosh, can you please come in? Mm. So I get on a phone to a lawyer and I'm like, how quick can I get a no one visa? And he's like, eight weeks. And I was like, can you do it in two? And he's like, impossible. Like, I definitely cannot. And I was like, cool. I paid the deposit. I was like, start the process. So I'm like hustling fast to get everything done. 
fly over there, have wedding number one. Then I have my meeting um, with the new executive producer that came from the Today Show. And I've read and done research. She was opening up all these new e-shows uh, based out of New York City. So I knew they were hiring. And I was mm. like, this is a great opportunity. So I go in there after this wedding and uh, basically I – I'm trying to remember the process. Walk in there, give her Tim Tams, oh, meet Tammy. So smart, this Tim Tam trick I like. Yeah, it worked well. And Tammy's good friend was Curtis Stone. So mm-hmm. she already has this rapport with Aussies. Mm-hmm. Her dream place to live in the world is Bondi Beach. Okay. I'm like, you should just this move. This is where there. I live. Just go yeah. um, and, and we just connected. And in that meeting though, I had to look her in the eye and she's like, so you've got a visa? And I was like, yes. Now, this wasn't a complete lie because yeah. I have a visa. I had a visa in my passport, which is an Australian visa. It's called the oh, – I think it's a letter. Let's just say it's the like, V1 yeah, or whatever. Like v it means you're Australian media and you can go in and out of America as many times as you want oh, cool. for five years, but you can never get paid for American company. Yeah, that's company, right. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So it meant for Channel 10, for junkets, I can come over here all the time. And you're making Aussie dollars, not Totally, American. totally. So she, yeah. her question to me was – you have a visa. And I said, yes. Yeah. She didn't ask what type of visa. Yeah, yeah, so I was yeah. like, yes. So I, I kind of had said that to her and she's like, cool, well, when are you here for the next few days? And I was like, no, literally, I've only blocked this out. I've got another wedding. Got to get on a plane back to Channel 10. I'm back on air. And she was like, so you can't give us any more time? And I was like, no. Nah. And she's like, oh. She's like, well, in that case, come and meet this other executive now. So I met this other lady called Jen, spoke to her for an hour and she's like, well, can we do a screen test with you next week? And I was like, no. Dude. (laughs) So I was like, oh, you can't. So then she's like, all right, well, um, great to meet you. Leave it with us. So I walk out of there and I call my best friend who works for Warner Brothers Australia Mm. and I tell him how the meeting went. And he's like, are you an idiot? He's like, delay your flight. Yeah. He's like, give them another day or two. And I was like, yeah, you're right. But I think it was that, not it wasn't arrogance, but the confidence of me going no. And then I called them back probably three hours later or called the EA of Tammy and I was just like, look, I'm going to put off my flight for two days. You've got me till Tuesday. So you've got Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. I'll fly out at 10 p.m. Tuesday night. Yeah. And she's like, okay, can we block you in Monday? She's like, I'll, I'll send you a schedule. Yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. So I have my second wedding, which is bigger than the first wedding. Once again, reminder, a friend of mine's marrying a New York girl. We haven't seen all our friends a long time. They're yeah, rugby yeah. players, the yeah. perfect storm for the biggest wedding. <laughs> I had the biggest night. I think I went to bed at 6.30 a.m. And so this is on the Sunday. The meeting wasn't until Monday. But I get an email. It's like, here's your schedule for Monday. And it was like 9 till 10 with casting for an hour then from 11 to 1, a lunch with those two executives again. No. Then at 6 p.m. till 10 p.m., a dinner with these two girls. And I looked them up and they're hosts from New York. Yeah. And I was like, shit, we're doing – like this is a proper yeah. chemistry test. Yeah. So I finally uh, got over the hangover or well, had to, got up the next day. Yeah. From 9 till 10, that was the, the meeting where they're like, what visa are you on? And I was like, look – it's, it's processing right now, yeah. the O1, but I've got the, the V1. And they were like, all good, we'll sponsor you. Doesn't matter. They go, what's important is your chemistry test tonight. You've got to nail this. And if you do, there's going to be an offer for you. And I was Far like, all out. right, cool. So I go to the lunch. We start drinking. I think they want to see what I was like with a few drinks. Come on, I'm Aussie. We're, yeah. <laughs> we're, yeah, yeah. we're fine. We're yeah. experts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that went really well and the same sort of thing. They're like, tonight's really important. And I was like, great. 
So I got to the dinner at Craig's in LA and met Liliana, who was awesome, and met another girl who unfortunately didn't get the job, but she was equally as awesome. And it went really well. But by probably 9, 30, 10 o'clock, I really started to feel bloody tired. I was like, these two weddings are really kicking in now. And so got through the night, went home and just passed out. I was dead. The next morning at 8 a.m., woke up to a phone call. I was still asleep. And I did the whole, hello? I oh, thought yeah. I pulled it off. And she's Your like, morning Scott, voice. You were it's talking. Tammy. Yes, yeah, the deep morning voice. <laughs> Scott, it's Tammy. Are you in bed? And I was like, <laughs> no, I'm not in bed. What are you talking about? <laughs> definitely in bed. How do you think last night went? And I was like, I think it went really well. I think they were really great chicks. And she's like, same. We're going to send you an offer by midday today. And she's like, whatever, whatever. How quick can you move to America? And I was like, oh, I'm like under a network deal with Channel 10. And I've got like the GQ Awards coming up, Melbourne Cup coming yeah, up, all this stuff. And yeah, I was like, yeah. it's not that easy, Tammy. She's like, we need you here in two weeks. We're like, we're on air in January. It's like December's in two weeks. And I was like, so that's when this most stressful period of my life, which is a great stress once again, but I had to go home, couldn't tell anyone because E wanted to announce it. So I quit my job. Mind you, this visa process, if the O1 didn't come through, the deal was off the table. Yeah, 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 done. But I'd already said goodbye to Channel 10. They'd done a big farewell show. Like I was done and dusted at 10. So it could have been all or nothing. So I was like, what's it going to be? And then you're based in New York, right? So then you have based to go in New York. York. And there was actually in that period of that two weeks, I ended up giving them I think three weeks. It was like three and a half yeah. weeks. But there was one weekend once again where I couldn't let Channel 10 know what I was doing because it's just all these stupid NDAs yeah. you've got to sign. Um, I had to fly to New York for 18 hours. Oh, my God, I heard this. Because we, we, we had to cast the third host, yeah. Victor Cruz. And so, the, and E once again, we're like, can you be in New York on Friday? And I was like, absolutely not. They're like, you have to be here. And I was like, there's no, uh, there's impossible. And they're like, it's not impossible. Here's the flight. They're like 21 hours. You'll land at 6 a.m. You'll be in studio from 8 a.m. And we'll have you all day in studio screen testing. And then stay the next night. We'll screen test a few more callbacks. And then you can go home again Saturday at lunchtime. And I was like, Mental. and you're oh. still, are you still working in still Australia working. Yeah, at so this I did, time? I had to pull a sickie on the Friday from Channel 10, no. jump on a plane, just stay off socials that I was in New York, landed, did it. But it's amazing when you've got that adrenaline and you can just, you can get it done. Of course, you can get it done. But then on the flight home, passed out. Once again, they flew me business class. So that, oh, that's dude, an easy you flight. Are- yeah, I was like, it was the first time in my life I felt so baller. I think I was like smiling next to the girl on the <laughs> plane next to me. And she's like, what are you grinning about? And I was like, well, we're in business class. <laughs> <laughs> you got your PJs. They give oh, you the PJs. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so good. I felt like such a king. It was, it was awesome. I really embraced that moment of like, this is bullshit. Like oh. this is the real deal. This is I so hope fun. You, um, I hope you write a book one day. It's so interesting. Yeah, I could write a book. Yeah, start start jumping that a, stuff I'm more of a down. picture book guy. But no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I will if I've got a great story to tell. But I think oh, but this next chapter this. in LA is going to be yeah. really part of the story. Can I quickly ask about? So you get to New York. It's January. This is all pre-COVID mm-hmm. crashing down. You live in the dream. You've yep. got your Manhattan apartment. Yeah, like. Aussie, Aussie girlfriend that's meant to move over. Let's not forget yeah. that fact as well. So there was, it was a lot of pressure. Years there was this, or something, wasn't it? Like no, little... no, we we're pretty fresh. Okay. We we're pretty fresh. And she was based in Brisbane. I was yeah. based based in Sydney. She's an architect. She was about to move to Sydney um, okay. for a job. She could transfer with her job, and then the New York thing just popped up. So she was all set to go. We've been doing distance for that long, oh. and then I was like. 
how do you feel about moving to New York? So it was a massive spanner in the works, but it helped me out that her best friend lived in New York. Yeah. She also came over over Christmas time just to see how it was. Yeah. For my first week on air oh, and just like in New York, dude. Experience that. Yeah. Or it was just after. So we, yeah. had, we had New Year's Eve there. Um, and so that went great. And she's like, cool. Well, what I'll do is I will finish my project I'm on and I'll come out in June. And I was like, cool. I'll split the difference. I'll fly home for Easter. Yeah. Uh, do a week back yeah. at home. And then, you know, it's three months apart, three months yeah. apart. And then, yeah, this wonderful year of COVID was a massive spanner in the works, which mm. uh, at that time as well, I got, I strategically got an apartment where I knew I was getting up at 3.30 every morning. So I had to find an apartment where the shower wasn't near the bedroom so Maddie could sleep in. Oh, um, big enough for, sweet, Big enough for two people, yeah. you know, and Manhattan apartments aren't cheap. So I was like, first year I'll splurge a little bit oh. and make sure it's a, a nice apartment uh, because I'm, once again I want to just crush my job. Yeah. And then, yeah, like two months in. COVID happened. Before that, before the COVID hit, can yeah. we just talk about where your um, studio is? So we- 30 Rock yeah. on level six across from Jimmy Fallon's studios. So we yeah. were on the left. We were like a shoebox studio, but he was that whole side. <gasps> so every day walking to work, you would see anyone from Justin Bieber. I heard you saw to- him warming up, like do- just playing also, with Our him. dressing rooms were opposite. We're so far beyond where their security team are. Yeah. So it's like everyone's comfortable around there. Yeah. Which means you can't film anything. You've got to be yeah. very professional. But yeah, our our green room is like one wall away from where Bieber or whoever it was, yeah, the, the A-listers have their green room. And there's a there's a piano in there. And one day we just heard it playing and then we heard Bieber just belting out a tune. And we're all like, you know, you do that quiet whisper in your we're like, like, oh my God. Do you know what I would have lost my shit with though? SNL, right? Below you, the level SNL. below. Did yeah, you ever yeah. see any of those, that game? We saw a few of them, but, yeah, they're such a big operation oh. as well. Funnily enough, getting a job with NBC, Addy, in that building and oh. you still can't get tickets to SNL. They are, no. They are the hardest tickets to get in America. That makes it feel a little bit better. Yeah, that, trust me, guys. I had every friend going, yeah. can, you, oh, can you now get us SNL tickets? I'm like, I can't even get myself one. <gasps> So, but we could walk in and out of their studio yeah. all the time. We had the pass to go around there. So that was also one of those moments where you're like, this is so awesome. Oh, the so cafeteria at NBC. What oh, what? man. The cafeteria is like you walk in there and they've got like chefs for every type of food in the world. No. And you, it's like discount of food on your swap. Once again, you can tell like the boy from Brizzy, so excited. I was yeah. like, there's food in here? Yeah. It's incredible. Like, I can get sushi over there. I can get like oh, no. Asian later. I can get Mexican. I can get <laughs> these omelets made custom to my like how I like them. No. It was everything under the sun. I was so excited. <gasps> okay, I could talk to you all freaking day, but I do want to know, so what made you when COVID hit, yep. like obviously your girlfriend's on the other side of the world, yep. so you're torn for heart-wise and then yep. like you're not allowed to go into studio to record No, because 30 Rock as well had an NBC producer pass away early in COVID. So it was very much a blacklisted building. Yeah. And it took six months to even let the news team and the Today Show just host go in. Yeah. So we were way down that list. The order was like then SNL, Fallon, then we were like at least another three shows down that list. Yeah. But for me it was because I'd done all this stripped back filming for so many years in Australia – I was like, I was like playing to my strengths. I was like, well, here we go. So they had a yeah. team bring in 
a full live camera set up into my one-bedroom apartment um, in like hazmat suits yeah. and then they moved out and then there we are. That was like we are doing live TV from our homes. But it also meant doing other content just from our own apartments. So this is where I was shining. I was like, this is it. I love this. So yeah. then E created a show for me um, which I sort of helped them bring from the ground up and it was yeah. called Happy Hour. So it was a live cocktail show so where we get some of the biggest celebs in the world. I custom make a cocktail for them yeah. depending on who they were, yeah. race down to my little grocery store and make that. So I was like Googling the most fancy cocktails. How funny. Um, so that was really good. But then it just got to the point where it's very expensive to yeah. keep paying our team uh, a live TV show is a big yeah. team for so many months. We're not earning revenue. And for me, it made total sense. Like yeah. we were so new. They hadn't even done our marketing yeah, campaign yet. We were, we were going to wait three months to we're on air and then yeah. push it. So they were just like, well, we'll save that money. So Scott, you go and join the LA teams as like a bench warmer um, and, and we'll see what happens from there. So, so, But my question is to you, obviously you've got tenacity, drive, courage. What made you go stuff it? Yeah, I'm going to go to LA. I'm going to chase this dream in LA and not go, oh, I could go back to Brizzy. There's like way less COVID in Australia at that stage of the game. Yeah. It felt really safe. Australia was like this little bubble. You know, what made you go, I'm not done in America, like I'm going to LA? It comes down to I'm really comfortable being uncomfortable and I've realised oh. that in the last couple of years. Thank you, Yoda. Oh, that it, is very good. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> you can use that as a quote on the picture yeah. of this. Yeah. But I just I, I was loving not knowing what was happening next and I think it started when Manhattan was hit hard with COVID yeah. and there was this freak out where everyone didn't know what was happening. We saw all these people in China dying. Yeah. There was rumours running around that they're shutting off all the subways, closing off all the bridges, going to lock Manhattan in. And I think it was a blessing for me that I had other Aussie friends in New York where we're like, no, nah, let's stick this out together. Like, mm. Let's just do this. If they all had a ran home, it would have made me second guess what to mm. do. I'm also lucky that my family just supports whatever I believe mm. in. So they're like, you do you. Um, I do know at the time a lot of other families in Australia were like, you're a dickhead, like get back to Australia. Why are you in America? It's a war zone there. There's dead bodies everywhere. There's these mass graves. And I was like, and after like a week or two, uh, you know, you notice 50% of Manhattan had gone to their Hamptons homes yeah. or their family homes. So it was yeah. probably even less than that. There's probably 40% of residents left. And we were all stuck at home. But then the highlight of my day was getting a coffee every day. Mm. And when you're walking down, you just start chatting to anyone because mm. you want this human connection. Totally. And I was like, I like this. Like there's something about this that I really like. There was also this part of where you could ride around a push bike down Fifth Avenue and there's not one car there. Yeah. And I was like, when will I ever get to see Never. New York like this ever again Never with again no people? No there was one moment, one night at 10 p.m., I walked down to Broadway and I did not see one soul, not mm. one human being, you know, looking as far as I can north and south, didn't see anyone. So I was like, this is a pretty special moment. Yeah. Then on top of that, there was a Black Lives Matters, um, you know, once things started to warm up again, there were all those protests, yeah. which led to, you know, once again, all the horrific stuff happening below my apartment. Mm. But once again, I was like, I don't feel scared in this moment. There's parts where, you know, I might be a little bit worried if our building catches on fire because they were lighting all the bins around us. Yeah. But at the same time, it was this, I thought, like a beautiful moment between human beings where these people have been hurting for so long and it was like 
their voicing up about this hurt. And every day I would go down to Washington Square Park mm. at about 3 p.m. and walk with these protests until once it got dark, I was like, I'm going home straight yeah. away because yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. But that was only those looters, which was a small percent of people. But once again, you got to question why they were doing this. They're, mm. they're these people that are frustrated at the system, which has just let them down for so many years mm. of their whole lives. So there's these moments in the last 12 months that have been very hard, but also some of the most precious moments I'll never forget yeah. in my life. Totally. And I just wouldn't for anything, even for a job, fly back home mm. because I'm enjoying being here and going, well, this is challenging and this is not easy. I've had a really easy run for 11 years. I think I'm going to do my best work in the next couple of years here. Totally. Bringing out the best in me, which will bring out the best in other people as well. So that's kind of my philosophy on being here in America right now where everyone back at home is like, Australia's the best. We've got yeah. no COVID. Yeah. You're a fucking idiot. Well, now look at Australia right now. You yeah. know, it's, it's, it's hard to watch that. And I don't yeah. want to be one of those guys like, you could yeah. do because I'm like, I know it hurts, guys. It sucks. Yeah. It's not easy. It's, yeah. it's not a fun period, especially in the creative industries, totally. tourism, small businesses. It sucks. So, yeah, it's, it's a really nice moment to be here. Do you know what a friend of mine who's also Australian, he's been here like I think 11 years and we caught up the other day and I said, I really feel like I'm being confronted all the time here but I love that feeling. So it's kind of what you were just describing. And yeah. I said, but I also feel like, I'm changing as a human. <laughs> like I'm like, I, I don't know if I'm toughening up or my drive is stronger or I don't yeah. know what it is. And he's like, babe, he's like, you will never be the same again. Like yeah. it just, you won't be. He's like, you watch everything will be different in your life now. And yeah. I was like, oh, I like this. But you, you can feel that here. Totally. And I think. It's the, a community. Yeah. It's a community here which is built from us being Australians. So we have yeah. such strong community at home. So we've brought that over here. Yeah. In New York was this really strong community of Aussies, but yeah. then also a lot of Americans associated to that. Yeah. And the same thing here in LA, it's the same sort of community. Yeah. And that's what we have to be so thankful for being Australians. And it's the cafe culture. I'm not even bullshitting yeah. you. I met half my New York friends at an Aussie cafe. Yeah. And, and that community around that. But that spot I think is number one for Aussies being just legends. And that's been really hard watching back in Australia at the moment where there's a lot of conflict between groups of anti-vaxxers and vaxxers. Yeah. And it's like it's like you're seeing our country sort of fight against each other or a state versus yeah. state like blocking down the borders and it's like I'm just a little bit scared that we're losing what we are, our identity is and like yeah. what we are known for and love for around the world. And even yesterday there was this bloody article on pedestrian TV where they've picked out probably 10 comments, there could be hundreds but whatever, um, of Americans criticising that Australian coach, um, boxing, yeah, celebrating yeah. and they're like, yeah. you know, they're saying really nasty things. Yeah. And so the topic of the article was like a pedestrian was like, you know, Americans think Australian coach is a bloody dickhead so you can go F yourself. And I was like, why are you trying to start this Australia versus America? Mm. Like you don't have to do that. There's, yeah, of course there's dickhead Americans. There's dickhead yeah. Australians. <laughs> there's everywhere, But like yes. don't assume and because then that subtle negative comments under it about Aussies going, well, fuck America. Like, oh, yeah, you've got guns in schools. Yes, guys, America's got so many problems. Yeah. But – I just don't like this of our Australian identity. We're becoming those people that it's like thinking we're bigger and better than everyone yeah, else. Totally. We're less COVID than everyone else. Yeah. So we're like the world's fucked. We're awesome. It's like, no, we are such a good country and we produce so many good people. Mm. We've got to keep that up, keep being proud of the, our people. Oh, I love it. Yeah, that's sort of for me is like the DNA of, of being an Aussie. I think that's why and I think you and I, we get – 
you know, we get so many opportunities here in America because exactly of that. Like, I also think as well with the like Aussie camaraderie here. Yeah, it's really hard to get here. Like for an Australian, you got to get the visa right. You talked about like yeah. having to fib about your O one. Totally it took me three years to get my green card. Like it's freaking hard and so expensive. It's I even, so expensive, and even with a job at a TV network, oh. guys. It's, it's hard. I'm yeah. investing a lot of your money, but also a lot of your time and opportunities back at home oh. to go, I'm doing this. But the visa thing and then there's also the social – you have no idea. If you're going to move here, oh. you have no idea. It's a beast. It's, it's a- America. Once again, they – I was paying gonna, my rent with a paper check. Like, I'm, so I'm, I'm paying mine with a paper check. Ridiculous. And I do my laundry down in the basement. Yeah. Like yeah, it's, it's very – with quarters. I put quarters But that's why you then fall in love with living here. Because it's so hard to get here. Yeah, totally. And I that's what I love about it. Okay, final question and then I'm going to let you go because this place is turning into a sweat box. I like it. It's like Bikram podcasting. Oh, I know because I've turned, I've closed all the windows. Okay, um, final question is for people listening that are like, fuck, Chocolate I love what you do. <laughs> I love what you do. I want to, you know, chase a dream like you. Yeah. What advice would you have for people like that are just like – Want well, to be in your industry, guys? I'm, I'm living and breathing it right now. So it's I've got amazing opportunities coming up, mm-hmm. uh, which I can't talk about, and particularly some back in Australia as well. Mm-hmm. So I've set myself up nicely career wise, but there's this whole other direction I want to go in. And I'm like you, you've got to just bloody go and do it. Like literally in media right now, there's no better time with TikTok, with Twitter, with Twitch, with YouTube, with Instagram. You can do what. Ever you want, and you can build a community. You just got to be authentic. So, right now, I'm doing that. I'm sort of planning what my next moves are for the next five years. What what do I actually want to do? And then I'm just going out and filming. I'll go out the front of my place at Venice right now with a tripod. Oh my god, I've seen you do this with Vegemite or something. Well, it's just I've just started. Like I'm trying to once again when I'm defining what I want to do. I was like, I want to just sort of feel out the characters around us here in America mm. and they're just there's so much talent they're so raw they're so vulnerable and raw it's unbelievable oh, so Americans I'm, have no filter too like I think Australians were quite put together yeah Americans are like very direct very forward very like I wear this I live in this Alabama football t-shirt yeah. every time without fail if I go to Trader Joe's wearing it they're like oh your voice doesn't match that football team and like we have this whole conversation about Australia versus Alabama football and I'm like yeah like the just there's no filter. Whereas in Australia, people might think something, but they'll never say it. Do you was, know what I mean? I was wearing a Trader Joe's, a Dodgers hat, and then a blue gym shirt. But this girl walked past me and said, go with the blues. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, blue. I'm wearing a blue shirt. Absolutely. Blues is like the Dodgers. Like, that. like go the blues. No and I was like, yeah, go the blues. I was, I like, was wearing what's she about? an Adaheim Angels cap just because I love the red cap with the A on it. Yeah. And they're like, Angels. Like as I'm the dude like stocking the aisles <laughs> at Trader Joe's and I was like, I'm not from here. Like, and then we had a full blown conversation about he was explaining to me how the angels are going. Yeah. Anyway. So look, to loop back in, (laughs) apart from going to Trader Joe's and wearing stuff. Which is great though. I've built my career on just being a go-getter, on filming, producing, writing and making my own stuff. And then I've had amazing opportunities Mm -hmm. that go with that at the right time because there's a lot of timing as well. But if you're serious about it and you're really hungry, and once again, you've got to listen to feedback about I, I'm sort of putting out content where I think I'm good at it and then just going, it's not hitting the mark. No one gives a shit. So you've got to read signs as well, read your audience. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're really passionate about what you're doing and you're good at it or get getting better at it, you'll get a gig for sure. It just might take 
a longer time. It's, it's you know, it's there's no formula to it, but we are in the best point ever right now where you can build your own audience and you can fast track things. TikTok is ridiculous. You love you TikTok. You don't have to have a yeah. following and you can do awesome stuff on it. Yeah. Once again, it's just one of these, I think there's no better time and I'm trying to help friends have small businesses right now transition to make TikTok content um, and it's unbelievable. Like watching the results is mm. like, and and Instagram's doing it with reels as well. If you're not posting reels, you're an idiot. Yeah, reels are the highest algorithm. If you want, yeah, yeah. If you want a, an audience that isn't your audience to see your stuff, make mm. reels. Totally. Oh, I feel yeah. like this is now turning into like a 101 for career help. So, And they just started 60-second videos as well. Yeah, so I saw. that's very handy. There you go. So what are you going to do after you've done your dodges, eat as many hot dogs as possible? What's the next? I invited the world hot dog eating champion to a Great. dodges game. I didn't ask him to eat the hot dogs. I was like, just as my coach. Um, he hasn't seen my DMs yet. So I'm going to just keep going at once a week and being like, he's only got 70,000 followers. Like, come on, look at the bloody DM. And I have to tell you, I've discovered an amazing burrito that I need to tell you about here because yep. I, I know you love a good brekkie burrito. Love breakfast. We're, yeah. we're filming a pilot over here tomorrow, which is all really? about breakfast actually so for a show. So, yeah, once again, I, I love – I've always loved cooking. I'm not a professional cook by any means, mm. but I love it. But I think it's a good vehicle to have conversations with people, uh, motivate people to get up earlier. Yeah. I, I love to sleep in, so it motivates me as well. So, yeah, once again, I'm passionate about that, but also bringing the celebrity element that I've done for 11 years into the mix of that. And then I've also oh. done a music show for eight years. That's my sort of world at the moment that yeah. I'm playing with in America. There's so many opportunities here. So that's what I'm playing with. I really thought we were winding this up, but I quickly have to say, like, Steve Carell, you've interviewed. Fran Drescher, you've interviewed. Yeah. Like, um, Rebel Wilson, Rose Byrne, like, whole Ed Sheeran kissed you. Yeah, Jerry what? Jerry Seinfeld. Let's not forget that. That was my favourite COVID interview it was either Shaq or Jerry Seinfeld. But, Shaq. But Sein- well, Shaq's awesome. He's a man mountain. Doesn't he have, like, a... Um, Fish tank in the back of his car or something crazy? Probably. That guy. <laughs> that guy's such an entrepreneur. He's got yeah. so many businesses and like a finger in every pie. He's awesome. But Jerry Seinfeld, he can, can be hard to interview sometimes and he had a yeah. special coming out on Netflix. Um, I know you're trying to wrap up so no, I couldn't no, tell no. you this. No. But we, we do, do these awful interviews on Zoom which is just there's no yeah. connection at all and you're yeah. in this holding pen with all the media in the world yeah. and they're like, Tweety from E News, you're in next, and you go from the, the main room into a holding room where there's a white screen. You sit there for ten minutes. You have no idea when they're going to pop up, so you're kind of like on, but you don't you don't know. And like, while I was doing that, I was reading an article that, that Seinfeld had done the day before, and they were like, "Do you like all these people making all these shows at home?" And he goes, "I hate it." And like, "Why do you hate it?" And he goes, "Well, the more interesting someone's home is, the more boring I think they are as a person because <laughs> they're not out in the world living." Now, the week before, I did one of these Netflix junkets for E and I had a white wall behind me because once again, I'd only half finished my apartment. I was waiting for my girlfriend to get there. Yeah, yeah. And everyone in the media room was laughing like, oh, Tweety, are you getting your passport taken? Like, ha, 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 there's nothing behind you. Yeah. So in the next week, I was like, right. So I bought these shelves, put all these like picture frames, vases, fake plants. It was There was a whole gallery behind me ready for Seinfeld. <laughs> I've just read that he hates <laughs> this and I'm like, you're kidding me. A second later, he's like, he's gone. And I'm like, <laughs> Jerry. I was like, and literally, I just jumped straight in. I was like, Jerry, what do you think of this background behind me? It's fake and I just put it in for this interview. <laughs> and so he good. was like, 
yeah, I don't know about it. He goes, it looks like a girl did it. And I was like, well, I did it. And he goes, what do you think of my background? So then we just started for the next two minutes oh, talking about each other's houses. And that's what Seinfeld loves. Yeah. He doesn't want to like go straight away, like tell us about your Netflix special. He likes to talk about nothing. Yeah. But he's funny like that. So it was a really good and once again. And you have the wit for it too. In the spare of the moment. Yeah, I was like, looks really expensive. I was like, nice joinery there. I was like, oh, <laughs> is that hardwood floors? He's like, certainly is. <laughs> So good. But my producer's texting me going, what are you doing? Like, hurry up, get to the questions. I'm like, we don't need the questions. This is the interview. Yeah. We'll get. We'll do the plug right at the end. I was like, this is fine. So, okay, I said final question like three questions ago. What's the dream? Like I feel like you've already lived a lot of it. But I've, like- I've lived a lot of my dream and the dream continuing on now is to continue doing what I do, which is like making content, Mm -hmm. um, hosting where it's necessary. Mm -hmm. But I I think my next steps are to definitely amplify and highlight people that are doing awesome things and be a vehicle to help, you know, spread that message. So that can be through a TV show, that can be through advertising, that can be through TikToks. I don't really care what screen it's on for the next 10 years of my career Mm -hmm. now. I want people watching it to be entertained by it, to think it's fun and enjoy it, Mm -hmm. but also – the vehicle of that for me, whether it's an actor, a singer, a small business, mm. whatever, spreading it and making it bigger through a fun vehicle. Perfect. That's what I want to be doing. P.S. You were on Neighbours. Oh, Derek. <laughs> so you did act, right? You- I did act. I did act in classes. I wanted to do acting. Yeah. And I just realised how shit It's so hard, was. right? It's I'm, really I'm hard. I'm training at the moment yeah. here in Los Angeles. It's frigging hard. And the calibre yeah. here. Is, it's ridiculous. I'm like, did you just come off a billboard? Like yeah. I feel like everyone's. It's, it's unbelievable. And the best thing about it, well, I love doing these those acting classes because now when I interview actors and you actresses, I'm like, dude. How the F how's did you your, How are you programmed up there? It's incredible. I keep incredible. getting um, offers to do not not the gig, to do an audition for roles here. Oh, my God, do it. And they're all like CNN reporter or like this oh, and that, yeah. like being a reporter on it. And I'm like, do you want an, a US accent or an Aussie accent? And and most of them are like US. And I'm like, is it a comedy? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, you're going to laugh at this. And then when I try and do a US accent, they're like, thanks, Scott. Okay. <laughs> It's hard in America. I've oh, been yeah. training American dialect for three years. I have an amazing dialect coach though, so I will connect you after I just, this. I don't think I'm that interested. I'd like to do – I think it's a lot of fun. I like doing skits with friends. I think I'm going to lean into it more here yeah. in terms of comedy, fun, you know, lighthearted, smart-ass stuff. But I don't know. It's just I don't want to invest a lot of time doing all the training because it's not really my passion. If it was my passion – then I go hard, but totally. I'm not. I'm not here to act. Totally. Do you know Jeremy Piven does stand up here, just around the corner? No, dude. I really want to go. Yeah, let's go. Uh, let's can do you, it. Can you imagine Ari Gold yeah. stand up? Mm-hmm. Epic. I could talk to you all day long. Thank you so 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 much. What's You're your demographic wonderful. on this? What What are we? Who are, oh, who are okay, the listeners? Okay, so 87 percent female. Great. Which I feel like that's fine for you. It's honestly my my following on Instagram, whatever, 72 percent females. Of course. But I, I really want to, in America, I think I just connect better. I've got two older sisters. Um, yeah. So I think I've always connected with girls in that regard. Yeah. So like the American housewives is what I'm going for because I just think, well, one, they like the stupid interviews we do. But yeah. two, cook them breakfast. And, and let's, love let's be honest, Americans do love that Aussie vernacular and Yeah, and, and you know who doesn't love it? Their husbands. Yeah. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> totally. My friend, thank you so, so much. You're wonderful. Awesome. Bye. 
That's a wrap on another episode of Fearlessly Failing. As always, thank you to our guests. And let's continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at Yummo Lola Berry. This potty, my word for podcast, is available on all streaming platforms. I'd love it if you could subscribe, rate and comment. And of course, spread the love. Spread the love.